Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! I don't know if you knew this or not, but Budget Blinds have some of the best people in our community. They are, and we have said this before, they are very much good eggs. That they are. They are always doing things to help out the community and, but wait, there's more. Ooh, what else are they doing? They are the home of the Signature Series Shades. So when you're ready to make your home a smart home, this is the place you need to go to. You're going to call Budget Blinds and you're going to say, all hail my robot shade overlords. And they're going to know what you need and they're going to hook you up with Signature Series Shades. So when you're ready to make that decision, head on over to our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit right in the heart of downtown. Tell them Jason and Nick see you. Hello and welcome to this Friday conversation edition of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. Hey Nick, I'm here. Ah man, Jason's back. I did not want to do this again, but I thought it was important, Jason, for you to come back because this town needs a therapy session again. And so we asked our good friend, Carrie Gray, to come back on. Carrie, welcome. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate that. And Jason. Carrie, you are we- a, uh, a licensed, certified uh, family therapist. Is that right? Did I get the title right? It close. Licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, ah, there we it. go. Well, that's all right. You, look, it's the licensed and therapist and then the stuff in the middle. We're just going to go uh, like licensed therapist and we love Carrie. So that's what that is. Carrie, right. we, we hope our goal is that you will become in the top two along with Julie Cook of most frequent guests. Um, but honestly, I'd love to bring you on when we're like how to deal with happy times. But here we are <laughs> uh, in the middle of less than happy times and we need you back uh, to, to be on the podcast to do that. So mm-hmm. this is all part of our, our burgeoning keep Matt off the air campaign. So I've the uh, hashtag keep Matt off the air. Uh, Matt Sanning. Yeah, yes. that's the one. Don't we, yeah, we don't want to give him too much encouragement. Matt, just- Matt was, uh, okay. Matt was a little too proud of his status as the most, uh, most repeated guest on our podcast. So we need to, we need to push him back down into his place. Yeah. We got to keep him, <laughs> keep him in line, keep him in line. Matt's a great guy, but I'm glad to help. Thank you. There you we know, go. That's, I, that's, that's kind the of the response we get right from there. a lot of people. <laughs> we love Matt, but keep him off the air. Yeah. So it's no. Good. <laughs> well, Carrie, um, as we all, I, mean, I, I think, you know, kind of, you could say that the, the trigger point was maybe that, that you can tell there's a lot of anxiety around the community or everywhere as we look to mm-hmm. go back to school and send our kids back to the, to a new school year. But I think that there's just anxiety everywhere. We're all still feeling it. You know, when we, we had you on for this kind of thing the first time, right as we got into lockdown, right? Right. And it was just, man, this stuff is hard. But even though things have, have opened back up and you can mm-hmm. go to a restaurant, you can go to a bar, you can go to a lot of different places, people are back in their offices, sort of, mm-hmm. um, we're still kind of trapped at home. I mean, all of those things, yes, are open, but we're not going out like we used to. Mm-hmm. And some are, I guess, are trying, but not everybody is. So it's not the same groups. I mean, nothing is really our norm, right? Mm-hmm. And and I've said this before, and I've never found a great articulate way to say it, which is probably, you know, a theme for my life, right, Jason? Um, is that 
we're not a culture that's built to either hear or say the words, I don't know. But that's kind of the, the theme of everything right now is we all don't really have answers. You can ask a ton of questions about, about the pandemic, about our, some of the cultural and societal things we're going through. And the answers are a lot of the time, I don't know. And for people that have, you know, every answer in the world at the fingertips of their phone, that's a hard thing to both say and, and, and hear. So I, I don't even know where to start on this with all this anxiety that comes with that. And so we just thought, hey, Carrie, let's pull out the couch <laughs> and come fix me. <laughs> Can you make me better? Well, let's, um, let's, not, let's not give her too heavy a burden. <laughs> I cannot fix you, but I certainly hope to be able to help uh, you know, you and anyone else to deal with the, you know, this ongoing stress that we're dealing with. As you said, um, there's no uh, answers, if you will. You know, we, we don't know when we're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, for many of us who have kids who are either going back to school or getting ready to go back to school, we don't even know what that's going to look like. And so I think there's a few things that we need to look at when we address this from a mental health perspective. And that is that when a person is experiencing stress for over a, a period of time with no real end, end, end in sight, if you will, it can cause symptoms of stress overload. And so I know, Nick, that sometimes you struggle with sleep, and I really feel like we should have a whole segment on sleep so that we can address that issue. I'm waiting for the Carrie Gray sleep TED Talk. It, that's right. Ooh, maybe that will be my title. Um, but, you know, I think the first thing for people to do is really tune into and not ignore what I refer to as their engine light, okay? So by that I mean... Um, some of us are probably noticing that it's difficult to concentrate, to stay focused, to problem solve right now. And part of that is because we don't have the information that we need. But another part of that is just a sign of that stress overload and how it's affecting us on a, a mental or a cognitive level. I'm going to jump in there because I, yeah. I, I wonder, Jason, if, if you're this way too, or, or even Carrie, if you are. You know, I have found during these COVID times, as Jason mm -hmm. likes to call it, um, I'm good for maybe two or three solid days of work a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like I cannot put a five full scheduled <laughs> days of the week into, into work. It's just, it's not mm -hmm. there. I don't have that focus or concentration or mm -hmm. motivation. Right. And it's hard. Yeah. I mean, that's part of how do, how do we respond and how do we manage the stress and uncertainty? Um, you know, what you're describing, that lack of motivation and drive is, as you said, I'll quote you, the struggle is real. <laughs> you know, you are not alone in feeling that way. And I think we're all grappling with, you know, how do we stay motivated, focused and tuned in in spite of this unprecedented time. You know, what are the things that we can do when we have so little control over so many things? And, you know, the reality, if you look at this from a mental health perspective, 
you know, what you just did right there, just acknowledging that, hey, you know, I am having trouble focusing. My motivation isn't where, you know, it has been in the past. And so things are a great deal different. And so what I like to do from there is to have people think about, well, you know, what is it? What are the major things that are keeping you up at night? To try to drill it down into more specific stressors, which is, you know, what you might experience as stress, Nick, is going to be a little bit different for Jason. And that's because we, we all come from a different environment, situation, state of health, you know, upbringing, our genetics all factor in to how we respond to stress. And so for me and for many people, you know, this COVID thing is huge, but we're each going to have a specific, specific aspects of that that are primarily on our mind. And identifying for yourself, Nick, you know, what is keeping you up at night? What is your source, major sources of stress having to do with COVID? So that, you know, we can write that down, if you will, and start thinking about what can I do about it? Because while we don't have control over COVID and many things, we can look at how we respond and the areas of control we have within whatever we're doing, whether that's online school or, or anything else for that matter. I wonder if uh, you said about our control about COVID and stuff. And, and I'm going to say, while I realize intellectually that, yeah, it's all because COVID, right? I don't actually think about the virus or the pandemic mm-hmm. very often, but I know that that's, intellectually in my head, I, if I think about it, I know that's the top cause, right? That's where it all trickles mm-hmm. down from. But it's other little things. And maybe that's normal. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll tack onto that, mm-hmm. Nick. I'll say this. Like, so when, when I uh, lean towards the darker parts of this, this whole process, <laughs> I tend to want to, um, I mean, control, hyper control things like that I pick, right? I'll, um, you know, doom scrolling is not the quiet word, right? But I'll, I'll doom statistic, <laughs> right? Uh, I'll go on and look at the, and I still do this anyway, but I mean, I'll like pay a lot of attention to numbers and, and things of that nature. Um, we can definitely look at things that are, you know, try to control other little tiny things or smaller things where we get, um, we get that f- sense of control that you don't have because everything is out of control. Well, so here's a question to ask yourself, though, is when you are scrolling, I like that, the doomsday scrolling, uh, is that helping you or hurting you? Oh, well, it's definitely not helping. I can say that okay. sure. <laughs> I mean, look, I think it's arguable that any Facebook scrolling is not helpful no matter what. But right. uh, yeah, definitely when you get into that, you know, look for the next thing to, to feel about or get mad about or whatever about you, you're definitely, uh, you're definitely mm-hmm. not helping. For sure. Well, and I think that's a question that we all need to ask ourselves, you know, is, you know, what you're really talking about is how we cope, you know, with the uncertainty, with the lack of control in the situation. And I think it's important to ask ourselves, you know, is how I'm thinking about this helping me or hurting me? Is what I'm choosing to do in response to this helping me or hurting me? And so then we have a certain responsibility, individual responsibility, you know, for how we, how we cope, 
you know, with the difficult period of time that we're in. And, you know, something we know about our brain is that, of course, we know that our brain's primary job is to keep us alive, right? And so as the two of you are sitting there right now, you're not really, a lot of things happen automatically where you're not really thinking about breathing in and out. You're not, you know, thinking about making your heart beat. These things just happen automatically. Well, the same thing works in terms of when we're out in our environment. Remember, the brain keeps us alive, survival instincts. And so what happens is that as we're scrolling through doomsday text or media or, you know, tuning into different things, our brain is thinking about possible threats in our environment. And the natural way for our brain to respond is to go to the absolute worst case scenario. And so when I say our thinking patterns, we really need to tune into how we're thinking about situations as they happen because we may have a tendency to go down towards more of a catastrophic type thinking pattern where um, you know, one sequence of events leads to the end of the world, if you will. And, and it's important that we catch ourselves because oftentimes in an attempt for our brain to protect us, it doesn't get things right. It gets a lot of misinformation and gives us a lot of bad information that feeds our anxiety and our, our stress and our fear, which is not helpful. So Carrie, let me, let's, um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that, that was, a, uh, it's fantastic, uh, of course, <laughs> but I mean, in addition, but that's, that's a lot about like what's She's going on. She's not lowering on. her rate for you sucking up. No, nope. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but I, but about what's going on sort of internally and how you deal with your own sense of control. Um, right. I think we see that sometimes in, we ascribe a similar, you know, sets of misinformation or bad information, but we do tend to ascribe motives and control or power to people outside of ourselves when we have that mm-hmm. same fearlessness. Is that, is that something you see as well? Does I that make sense? I, I guess sure. I'll say, uh, you know, without being, without giving press to people who don't deserve it, um, there are people in the community here and well, the, looking at the schools who are ascribing ill intent to the, the administration and the school board, to our public, you know, our public health officials, our public elected officials about their response to the pandemic and what's coming up, especially as it has come, you know, in most pertinently in the last week or two to, to the reopening of the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but people tend to, I think, or at least as, as I, I would say, do people, I'll ask this question, do people tend to take that same thing, make those same to take that anxiety and, and project it outward and assume if, if not ill intent, but something, something larger in the intent or the, in the process on others. That, that worst case scenario. Yeah. That worst case scenario, right? It's not, right. Uh, they're trying to make a decision with a, an incomplete and fluctuating set of information. It's they're trying mm-hmm. to achieve an agenda, whatever that agenda may be. Well, you know, I think that, you know, to answer your question, yes, you know, and I think it stems from basically how a person's individually being affected by decisions that are being made, you know, and so everybody's situation is different. And, and I think we need to assume that everyone 
like everyone's desire is in the right place to make the right decision to make sure their kids get the best you know education if we talk about school and so as human beings we have strong opinions about how things should be done and when people don't agree with our opinions uh, like you said people will reach out to try to find information to back up you know their perspective and their point of view and I mentioned to you know Nick boy I really don't envy the folks who are on the school board uh, the people who are having to make these big decisions because it's a no-win situation absolutely no win situation and so I think that we just need to be aware that um, we're gonna because of our unique situations and needs of our child or children that we're going to see this situation differently and each family needs to decide for themselves what's best for their kids but here's the other piece our kids are going to follow our lead and how we choose to respond to the situation and our kids are having to deal with a lot of disappointment if you will you know lost uh, opportunities to celebrate milestones and things like that and and that it, there's a lot of hardship in that but if you look at a silver lining if I, I dare say so is that through this process we can teach our kids how to respond to adversity how to deal with disappointment um, right now it's the pandemic things are going to continue to happen in life that are going to be disappointing and challenging and where we're not always going to get our way and we're going to have to adapt to that and so our parents have a significant role in setting the emotional tone in the house for how are we going to respond to this once decisions are made and how can I send you that we got this attitude? You know, it's not ideal, perhaps. Um, maybe this isn't what I was hoping the learning platform would look like, for example, and I don't know what it's going to look like. But here's what we're going to do. Here's there are those words again. What's that? There are those words again. I don't yeah, know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I think that's the hardest thing. But I think it goes beyond COVID and pandemic into our role in teaching our kids how to navigate through adversity and hardship. I want to go, I made, I made like three different notes of different things I wanted to follow up on that. Uh, the first one um, I want to talk about, you really, you talked about how our kids will follow our lead. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think about, you know, you're, you're right. That's not just they're going to well, we hope, do what we say, <laughs> you know, where right. we lead, that, that kind of lead. But they are emotional sponges, right? I mean, yes, they, they pick are. up, especially at a younger age, they mm -hmm. pick up on emotions and they know whether or not you've told them all the details, they know your stress levels. They can, mm -hmm. they can feel that. And so my question is this, when we're talking to our kids, and I'm going to come at this from a perspective, Carrie, you and I have worked a lot with, with a group of teens over the last several mm -hmm. months. Um, as they started started talking about mental health and issues, and on one of those those gatherings, they were talking to us about about this was during the lockdown. They talked about how the lockdown almost to them was a little bit of a reprieve. 
that it let them realize, and these are, these, some of these are very overachieving students, right, and teens, mm-hmm. but they realized during the lockdown how hard they had been working and how many different activities and things they were doing. And one of them said, man, I get to sleep a lot. Right. <laughs> and so uh, it, it makes me wonder that as we, do we too often go to our anger is about the kids? And is it too easy to say, I'm doing this because it's for my kids, but really we're kind of projecting our own little fears on it because they may not, they may not share that perspective, right? I agree. Um, Totally agree with you. Did that make any sense at all? I feel like I rambled a little bit. Well, I, I think I get your point, you know, and it gets down to our we need to be aware that what is a stressor for us in this situation is different for our kids, all right? And it's interesting because one of the things that people talk about, it, and this is very real, is the need for kids to connect socially. And our kids connect differently. They communicate differently than we do, as we know. They, they're connecting a lot through technology. And recently, I was on a webinar that spoke about, you know, suicide uh, impacts on mental health and COVID and isolation. And what they found was that they did a short, like a small sample of, of kids in the United States and found that what they're doing is that they're connecting more than ever online, that they've picked up on additional platforms. And so for them... I'm not saying that that's, you know, taken away their stress. Obviously, the stress is there. It's not the same thing as being in person in a social environment. But their experience, you know, to make your point, is different than what our experience is. And so it is important as parents that we don't make assumptions about what's stressing them out based on our own experience. We need to figure out our own stuff first so that we can separate that from what our kids actually need. I, I know that personally, our, our son is 13 and, and going into eighth grade. And I know personally, we, we made a point to have him in on the conversations of, mm-hmm. of, of, of deciding, right? We told him, you know, we're going to make the decision, but you should be mm-hmm. in. But I know that there was also a struggle of and I'm going to say this too, back several years ago when my wife had cancer, it was the struggle of how much do we say? Mm-hmm. What do we say? And then how do you ask? I mean, and, and look, 90% of my life is asking people questions. Right. But what questions do you ask? What are the right questions to ask a, a teenager um, when you're to, to try to figure out what their perspective is and how they're feeling during this crazy, weird time? Well, you know, you certainly could start by just sharing how you're feeling you know, as a parent, you know, and acknowledging that that's going to be different for them. Um, Here's what I'm feeling. And I think it's important that parents are open and honest about that. Because as you said, the kids are emotional sponges, and they're picking up on it anyway. So let's go ahead and name that feeling. Let's talk about it and why. And then just to ask, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, what concerns you, if anything, you know, about perhaps going back to school or about maybe an activity that you're not going to be, you know, able to participate in. And so it's important for us, as we've said in the past, to to shut up and listen to what they have to say and to what their perspective is, because what is bothering them 
oftentimes is, is not similar. Their experience is much different than ours. And, you know, frankly, sometimes it's best just to, to have these conversations when you're doing something that the kid enjoys. Um, you know, it's less of a let's sit down and have a face-to-face <laughs> chat about your feelings. That can be a little awkward. Um, but we tend to have great discussions when, when maybe we're, you know, shooting hoops or, or, you know, working on a puzzle or whatever that might be. But the important thing is just validating their feelings and, and we need to be able to show them that we can, you know, sit with those feelings without having that fear, for example, overwhelm us. Right. And so that, that second piece is, well, here's what we're, here's what I'm going to do, you know, to take care of myself, you know, during this time. And here's how I'm going to try to structure some things for you to do the same. You, you, you said earlier, um, you talked about uh, you know, that boiling point that seemed to people be be getting to, and I mm-hmm. and I think that affects all things. I mean, obviously, right now, I think it's very easy as for us to focus on on the going back to school, the in person versus online, and all those debates, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and again, the answer is I don't know. <laughs> Nobody right. knows what's the right one. We're all just at some point, somebody who's a leader is going to pick. Um, but mm-hmm. we that seems to be hitting a boiling point in all things. You know, Jason and I started this podcast so that we could talk about local issues and local things that matter in, in our backyard. And you could do it um, in a way we were trying to show you can do it in a way without getting into the, the red versus blue debates and all the other mm-hmm. things that infect state and national, you know, discussions. Right. right. But it seems that because of the place where we're at, where we're all still stuck in, 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 in place. Mm-hmm. And, and I like to joke that it's, it's still March 14th in my head. Right. Um, how can we, how can we, 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 what are some, I guess, some ways that we can all stop and take that breath, which is something you mentioned earlier on to, mm-hmm. to try to convince ourselves that when we, we read something on the news, <clears throat> excuse me, we are doom scrolling on Facebook, right? You know, those mm-hmm. things that, that trigger our, anger. And I think it's very easy to do on social media because it's so easy just to type and you don't think about it. Mm. But are there some, some tips and tricks or suggestions you would give people to say, you can stop and take a breath. It doesn't have to be a boiling point. I, I think absolutely, you know, absolutely. And I think that there's things that you can do, you know, in terms of just your lifestyle habits, you know, the things that you choose to do each day as well as how much time you allow yourself, you know, to go, you know, watch the news and, and really, um, I don't know, emerge yourself in whatever the conflict is that's taking place. Um, because tendency is to make us feel even worse and our anxieties and fears to increase when we do that. And so it's similar to what you were talking about earlier with the kids when the high school students were saying, in a sense, their stress level was much lower um, because they were not running from one activity to the other activity and trying to accomplish all these things. I think it's an opportunity for each of us to step back and just look at how we're living our life in terms of are we taking care of our mental health? Are we taking care of our physical health? Um, So part of that is, you know, what are we doing on a daily basis to to get out and get moving, 
You know, how are we fueling our body? Are we getting the sleep that we need to have? But then the other thing is, you know, what are our priorities, you know, and how are we living our priorities and limiting our exposure, if you will, to those things that, uh, you know, hurt us. Um, you know, we can't control a lot of things, which seems to be a big theme here, but how could we use this time perhaps to, you know, develop our sense of purpose, self, meaning, you know, on a, on a bigger level, if you will. Well, I think, and this is going to circle back kind of to where, to where we started a little bit is there's so much unknown. And I think a lot of the, 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 reason for the boiling points, right, are that, you know, especially here in our school district, at least some of the school district, we're still right. waiting on the decision. And, and, and uh, Jason and I went on and recorded our show right after they had had that board of education meeting where they laid out the four options and said, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. And I remember telling him on that, on that episode that that very well may be the right decision, mm-hmm. but man, it's frustrating to not know, to, 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 to have to wait. And, and I think, I think that's where we all get, we all get so frustrated Mm -hmm. is because Mm -hmm. information keeps coming and it changes every day. And the, and the people that we have elected or the electeds have hired, right. Are taking their time and, and very well may be the right decision, but it's just, it's just so hard to wait and prepare when you don't know what you're preparing for. Uh, and that can be school, that can be, yes. I, you know, nonprofits and their events for fundraisers. I mean, it's everything, right? Right. And I think, you know, at some point, you know, I think I mentioned earlier that we just have to make a decision and go with it. You know, I think that that waiting at what point, you know, like you said, things are going to continue to change and evolve in order to help parents and youth to plan that a decision needs to be made regardless of how people are going to, you're not going to please everyone, but at least then parents know where they stand and they can start to accept that and figuring out how they're going to navigate whatever that decision is. I I think the waiting makes it, uh, it makes it more difficult. Right. I I agree. So what, what do we do to prepare for, there's going to be a significant percentage. I mean, so when, when R7 put out their survey and they said it was something of what, 78% of the people 71 who, wanted to 71% be back in, wanted mm-hmm. to be back in school. So it's quite likely uh, to be, you know, to uh, read the tea leaves and see what's going on around us that 71% of the people are going to be disappointed with the decision, at least initially, that's going to come forth here. Um, and, and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to get potentially if, if school starts virtually for everyone, Mm -hmm. they're going to be really, they're going to get bad result, right? So it's, it's a larger scale or a more adult version of the, your teenage child wants to go and be in person and you, the parent make the decision, no, we're going to be virtual for this semester. It's a similar, it's a similar question. How do we model or what can we do when we get that bad news, right? What can we do when we get that news that we don't want? Right. How do we model and show that process? What do we do once we receive that news to help move forward, even if it's the decision that we don't want? Well, and I agree. And, it, and you raise, you know, a lot of really good points there in that 
change, you know, this is change. It's not what we want. If it's something that we choose to do, it's a little easier to swallow. So for example, Nick chose that his son will be, you know, uh, learning online through that platform. All right. So, but then you look at what you said, those 71% of people who really in their heart feel it's better for their kids to get back into that environment for a variety of, you know, reasons. And so how do you model how to deal with disappointment and not getting your way? Um, <laughs> essentially, I mean, I'm breaking it down to that. So we don't really want to be having a tantrum. We want to be careful in how we communicate. Like the the answer is a storm of tweets, right? That's what we exactly. need to do. Exactly. Okay. I, the answer is tantrums. Tantrums. No, tweet through it. Tweet through it. <laughs> well, think about, you know, the character traits that you want your kids, you know, to experience and how are you going to, um, and that is perhaps your question, how are you going to show them how to deal with disappointment with good character, right? And so... Um, you know, if we respond and get angry, which is, you know, it's okay to feel that way. But the reality is, we're not always going to get what we want in life. We don't always get to be the decision maker. Um, people who want their kids in school did the, the right thing by going to the school, you know, board and having a rally and expressing their concerns. You know, that's a very healthy, respectful way of doing that. But then now, if it does turn out that the kids are going to be learning from a virtual perspective, you know, parents take 24, 48 hours to be angry, but then it's time to move on and look at, okay, how can we make the best out of the situation that we really didn't ask for, that we don't necessarily feel as the best for our kids? And, and that attitude is important. And we're going to start probably with our expectations. Um, we're going to think about what they're going to need in order to be successful uh, as much as possible through that virtual learning environment. Um, how can we help them focus on solutions like the schedule? Um, you know, those first few weeks, if that is indeed what we do, the expectations probably let's get comfortable with these learning platforms. Let's figure out a schedule that will help you to stay motivated. That's going to have some different breaks throughout the day. Let's connect with those teachers who are teaching these classes so that they know who you are so that we can know of other resources and how to reach them. And so to me, it's okay to be disappointed I would be real careful about posting anything online because you can't take it back. And when you're in an emotional state, you tend to say things that you later regret. Well, it's the same lesson we give our kids, right? Remember, when you put it on social media, it's forever. It's, it's forever. forever. <laughs> well, and That's I think right. I think I think like, I'm not the only parent who who struggles with this. I think it's a, it's a hard struggle it to is. be honest with your kids and show your disappointment. You know, don't swallow your emotions, right? Right. Right. Don't hide. But to to show the disappointment, but then also show how to move forward, and I think that's a I think exactly. I think that's a hard struggle, and that's gonna that's gonna get to I, I think as the last part of this that I, I really wanted to get to, and Carrie, you and I talked about it a little bit on the phone, and and I, I'm also gonna admit if I'm being honest, 
part of the reason we chose virtual for our student was so that a decision would be made. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, like that was a part of Proactive. it. It's like, it, it's like, Hey, look, now we know I don't have to deal with things changing as much. <laughs> um, that was smart. That was, you know, we talk about finding little things to control, right? Well, that was right. one thing I could control. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of it. But I think what, what I want to get to too, and I have gone back to this word a lot lately, whether we're talking about schools, whether we're talking about political debates, social and cultural debates, if we would all learn a little bit more empathy, if that, that, that's the word that keeps coming back. And it seems to, to, to me that a symptom of all of this, where we, we've hit these boiling points and we're angry and we're looking for ways to lash out, right? We know we can't lash out at our kids. Right. And we kind of know we can't really lash out at the teachers because they're just as stuck as we are. And we kind of know, you know, right. So we look for all these things, but then it, 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 it just comes out and every single point of contention seems to become a line in the sand moment Mm -hmm. where you're either with us or against us. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, How can we help ourselves? Empathy is not an easy word. And it's not an easy thing to teach yourself, especially as you get older. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that we can, for ourselves, learn to embrace that word, learn to allow for other perspectives, and even just to allow ourselves to, for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. look at whatever issue it is from from the other person's side side of things. And, and look... I can be an angry old man just as much as everybody else. So get off my lawn and I'm right. But, but how do we, how do we, how do we teach ourselves this? Is it possible? I think it, it is very much possible. I think we can continue to learn new ways of relating to people right up until the day we die. Um, but as you said, it's not our first thought, you know, um, what you're talking No, we all want to win. That's our first thought. We all want to win, but also what you're talking about is an aspect of emotional intelligence. And that is the ability to, there's two abilities there. One is having to be aware of how situations are affecting you, you know, your emotions, your thought patterns, but also to be able to read the reactions of other people and to tune into how that interaction, how you're basically, how you're communicating, how that's impacting another person. And what we find that, you know, part of the question is, why is it important? Why should you stop and take the time to think about another person's perspective or situation? Um, You know, why invest in it? Because it's gonna take a lot of energy. And what we find is that people who have high levels of empathy, who are able to see outside of their own experience, to be able to put themselves somewhat in another people's shoes and imagine what it might be like from their perspective, tend to have happier lives. They have more meaningful relationships. There's less conflict. There's better communication. And so I think how we teach that. Um, how we teach that is to have conversations with our kids where we ask them questions 
about how do you suppose so-and-so felt, you know, when this happened? You know, older kids, critical thinking skills. Uh, what do you suppose is most, you know, why parents are, are so upset about, you know, the options or the decisions that are being made? You know, anything that could help us to step out of our own experience and consider of the experience of another person will help us to, you know, just broaden our perspectives and to be more compassionate and to be able to maybe get along and work towards common solutions rather than, as you said, drawing that line in the sand and just focusing on what's best for me without considering the other people who are there with you. We are meant to be in relationships and relationships improve when people are able to see beyond themselves. We're going to do a part sounds, two. We're that, going to talk about relationships versus tribes later. Right. Well, and that sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of, uh, that sounds like a lot of what we were having with that convert, the beginnings of the conversation about equity in the school district is that, exactly. that learning to expand the circle of people that you can understand and relate to. So mm-hmm. um, they're, they're yeah. I'm just going to rope back in. I guess maybe that'll make it even less palatable to the people who are mad. <laughs> but so be it. Uh, Well, you know, and think about your relationship with Nick, Jason. You know, my guess is that you, you know, another aspect is a strengths focus. How, you know, when we're working within a team on something, we all bring something different to the table. And so if you look at it from a business perspective, and I'm looking at Jason's face because he's kind of (laughs) smiling right now and really wants to go somewhere with that. I'm I'm wondering where this is going. I'm just going to leave it right there and say yes. We'll say say nice things about Nick for this part. (laughs) So if if we focus on solutions and, you you know, you you bring up the topic of equity, um, you know, it's important that we look at everybody's perspective and situations and hear those perspectives so that we can be more empathetic and understanding, even if you haven't lived that, you know, you truly don't know what it's like, but we can listen so that we're able to better focus on solutions that are going to work for, you know, more likely to work for everyone. Dialogue, it's hard. It is. Listening is really hard. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, well, it is. Yes, it is. Well, Carrie, I I, I want to thank you for 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 coming on and taking some some time today. I think we hit some. I think we hit some good things. I think you know we learned, relearned a lot about about you know taking that breath and and, mm-hmm. and thinking about our own emotions and being honest with them, and and, mm-hmm. and what we really want to say and the actions we really want to take. And then it's always good to remember to to pause and think about the other person's perspective as well. I think, you know, to, right. to validate everyone in the conversation is the only way to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you again. And I hope that you are still uh, going to remain on our emergency speed dial for when, for when we need help. We're, look, um, when we get through all this, we are going to sit down and we're going to have like a, this is all the cool stuff that's going on that Carrie can tell us about how to manage so that we're not always like, she's not our doom scroll as we go through that's this whole right. Managing success and celebrations. And, yes, there yes, we go. Rainbows and unicorns. All right. I, we need a we need a Carrie Gray rainbow and unicorn session. That's for sure. <laughs> only only if I can be on with Matt Sanning. Oh, oh. I don't know. That's you're putting a high no. bar. Now you're asking a lot. <laughs>
That's asking a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So now we can do some. We, maybe we can bring Matt on for rainbows and unicorns as well. Okay. So. There well, we go. thank you for the opportunity to share. You know, bottom line, this isn't easy on anyone. And so we got to take care of ourselves, but we also need to take care of those who are around us. Well, Carrie, awesome. I, I mentioned your title earlier, but I should also say that you work a lot with Rediscover and Lisa yes. Cares. So, so people will see mm -hmm. you, continue to see you around town, and, and you help a Absolutely. lot of people everywhere. So thanks again for taking some time and coming on with us. That'll wrap us up for this Friday edition. We'll talk to everybody next time. Bye.